and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash Takes by Fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So, however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered in multiple ways. Alrighty, today is a big old Tuesday and we are officially back, folks. A little bit, uh, kind of a day break, kind of to Sunday. We didn't do an official show, but we did watch live the Knicks at the uh, 76ers at the Knicks basketball game. Talked that through, that was fun. Um, live reactions, all that, watching our sponsors flounder live like they do every single game, folks. So having to see that live was fantastic. Uh, seeing James Harden and uh, Joel Embiid live in action, that was fantastic as well. So that's what we did on Sunday. Yesterday we had no show, so today, little two days of no official show, but we are back, baby. So, today on the show, we got to go over some stories that we've missed over the last two days, folks. Get all caught up on that. Get up to the, uh, just basically get up, uh, caught up to date on the news of what's happening in the NFL. Got to break down the NBA from last night. Uh, talk about betting tonight in the NBA. So, a little bit of a more chill show today. But tomorrow, folks, we will be getting into finally. There will be time in the show and we will be able to go long tomorrow. But um, we will finally get to our... Our final thoughts in the NFL uh, for the 2021-2022 season. Our final thoughts, getting those all written down before the offseason, you know, truly kicks into high gear because we are close. I mean, we're getting Kyler Murray stories, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the offseason in the NFL is truly here. So we got to get our final thoughts of what we just saw the entire year. We got to get that kicked off and going. So we don't lose track of anything during the chaos uh, that is the NFL offseason with, I mean, uh, just stories, bombshell, crazy stories coming out left and right and everybody kind of, you know, doing a little bit of revisionist history on actually how the season played out because I can guarantee you folks in about three or four months when people are talking about the Carolina Panthers at the end of the day, they're going to say that the Panthers had a good, a good year overall, not a great year but a good solid year overall in that they are going to be kind of looking um, you know looking good to building the foundation for next season no 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 that is not the case at all we know the Carolina Panthers are absolute garbage there is no bet there is no green flag there is no benefit of the doubt heading into this offseason heading into next season for this Carolina Panthers team and I apologize to the Panthers fans out there um, there's no reason to be excited at all it's truly unfortunate you have to go another 12 full months of no excitement for your NFL team, your NFL franchise. And I truly apologize for that because what did we just say all last week? Dolphins fans, yeah, get excited, get optimistic. But Panthers fans, mm, 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 I am sorry for y'all. We'll try to find some, some silver lining, some glowing, glimmering hope to buy into. But as long as Matt Rule is there, there is really no hope for this Panthers team. So we'll see if we can find some hope uh, for the rest of the offseason for the Panthers, but it's not looking good. So we will finally get to our NFL final thoughts on every single team just so we have them on the record, written down, and we don't get lost in the shuffle of this offseason. 
But that's coming up tomorrow, folks. Uh, noon Eastern, twitch.tv slash takes by fans. But today, like we said, just a little bit more of a laid back show. Let's get caught up to date with no two days of an official show. So let's get caught up, shall we? Here we go. We're going to start with the NFL and then finish with the NBA today. So let's talk all the great NFL stories that have been popping up and popping off over the last few days here. So let's start with probably the biggest story that just came out. Uh, was this yesterday or two days ago? Yesterday, Kyler Murray putting out a ginormous statement, folks. Now, I, I have not read this yet, so we are going to get the live read of the letter here. But uh, a lot of memes, <laughs> a lot of memes going around uh, with Kyler Murray's letter here. Everyone was like, uh, yeah, nah. Uh, anybody got the cliff notes? Because ain't nobody reading this long ass, uh, small ass print letter from Kyler Murray. So. We'll read the letter here, truly see what Kyler Murray is saying here. But once again, this entire offseason with Kyler Murray, I think it really came out of nowhere. I was not expecting any sort of this. I knew, you know, the Cardinals had a disappointing season overall. Um, obviously not making the playoffs and... Uh, not looking good down the stretch of the season. Basically, what the Seahawks did two seasons ago and continue to do this season. The Cardinals are on that same path. But I didn't know it was at like this level where, you know, the quarterback and the ownership are kind of at odds. The, you know, Kyler Murray wants to get paid. He thinks he deserves to get paid, but they're not winning games. Same thing with like uh, Lamar Jackson. Like two years ago, heading into, uh, is it two years ago, heading into the season? Whatever it was, two years ago, uh, you know, when Patrick Mahomes got paid that massive contract 10 years signed uh, for the Chiefs. When Patrick Mahomes got that big deal, everybody was speculating, oh, Lamar Jackson, he's up for his big deal. He's ready to get paid. Obviously not as much as Patrick Mahomes because he had a Super Bowl at that point. But, you know, some solid money relative to... Patrick Mahomes, but then we saw what happened this season, and nobody's really kind of, you know, talking about Lamar Jackson getting paid tons of money. Yes, we know Lamar Jackson is good, but at the end of the day, this is a winning league. Are you winning? Yes? All right, then we can pay you. You don't even have to be good. You just have to win games, and you can get paid. We've seen quarterbacks get paid in this league, folks, with not looking that great, but at the end of the day, they were winning some games, so yeah, you get thrown a couple of bucks. So, Kyler Murray, we know he wants to get paid, and I'm pretty sure this is what the letter is all about here, but we're, we're going to read it in a second. But overall, I mean, we got to start getting some wins here. And DeAndre Hopkins, uh, or uh, not, uh, Kyler, uh, not DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray, you know, be a little careful here because you're really only great when DeAndre Hopkins was on the field. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is truly the the huge piece for this Cardinals team. Yes, we believe in Kyler Murray, and he's good and all that, but him with DeAndre Hopkins, holy moly. I mean, we saw no DeAndre Hopkins for the final, uh, how many games uh, did DeAndre Hopkins miss down the stretch? He only played, I think, 10 games this season and missed the final four games of the regular season, and they go three, uh, one and three during that stretch, closing out the stretch, not getting into the playoffs, because DeAndre Hopkins was not healthy and was not there. Remember, you couldn't even rely on A.J. Green. That was, you know, the whole turning point of the season, honestly. When they were heading in, uh, you know, facing Green Bay, they were at home for that game. 
But heading into week 8, they were 7-0. Kyler Murray looking good. There was no doubt that Kyler Murray was going to be the face of the franchise for the future of the Arizona Cardinals. We had no doubt that Kyler Murray was going to get paid 7 weeks into the season. But then what happened? They lose to the Packers in really big, disappointing fashion because A.J. Green could not catch that wide open pass in the end zone. And they lose the game. And it really all derailed from that moment. We now Never got any great production from A.J. Green. Then we have DeAndre Hopkins. After that Green Bay game, DeAndre Hopkins only played two games for the rest of the season. So it truly, everything went downhill after that. Oh my goodness, big time bad loss that ruined their undefeated season and everything started to crumble and they really just could not get back on track at uh, since that point. So... Um, oh no, they did get into the playoffs. Uh, uh, my fault. They did get into the playoffs and got absolutely smacked by the Rams, the Super Bowl champions. They got they lost 34 to 11. And once again, no DeAndre Hopkins in that playoff game. So Kyler Murray, I know you want to kind of truly believe that you know I'm good, you're good, you deserve the money and all that. But uh, let's try not to kind of you know get too cocky out here. That's why I want to kind of read the wording of this letter to kind of see what Kyler Murray believes himself that he can do 100%, but also we need some good receivers. And I'm not knocking Kyler Murray. I mean, we need good receivers. You need good receivers to play well. Look at Aaron Rodgers with Devonta Adams. I mean, Aaron Rodgers won't even leave Green... Well, it will only stay in Green Bay if Devonta Adams is there. And wherever Aaron Rodgers goes, if he leaves Green Bay, he's going to be advocating big time for that team, whatever team he joins, to go out and get Devonta Adams. Then we got Josh Allen. Josh Allen's only been good with Stephon Diggs. Now, we don't know. Is Josh Allen actually good now? His first two years, not good. We all know the story. And then they get Stephon Diggs. He pops off and, you know, now we get the Josh Allen we all know and love who's absolutely fantastic. So, uh, Josh Allen with Stephon Diggs. Uh, who else we got? I mean, Matthew Stafford with Megatron. Matthew Stafford with Cooper Cup. I mean, we need some type of great core, uh, great receiver for these quarterbacks. Tom Brady, really kind of the outlier, the exception to that rule, if you will. Never really had that receiver uh, that, you know, A1, Tier 1, go up and get it. One-on-one, 50 balls, all that with New England. He had some nice slot guys that went again played into the system so yeah I mean but you know with one year with Randy Moss that was kind of Tom Brady's best year and all that but you know yeah I guess that would speak to it you give you know a good quarterback a great quarterback a great weapon I mean they just kind of go even further so you know you do still need a wide receiver and oh the one that I really wanted to point out that I can't believe I forgot uh Dak Prescott with Amari Cooper we don't even know if Dak Prescott's that great without Amari Cooper so I mean yes quarterbacks can be good on their own, but overall football, obviously a team game. We still need elite, great talent at the wide receiver position, so Kyler Murray, don't get kind of too uh, too big-headed here, saying that hey, you know, I can go anywhere and be successful. Let's kind of, you know, rein that in if that is the case. So, enough speculation of what Kyler Murray is trying to say out here. Let's go into this, this weirdly written, weird it's just a weird looking letter all over the place. You got Kyler Murray at the bottom. It's not on kind of Cardinals, you know, kind of letter stock, whatever. Kyler Murray's own logo. I'm assuming this is Kyler Murray's logo. 
Okay, KM, yeah, real original. It's kind of cool looking, I guess. But then you get Kyler Murray at the bottom. Overall, it's just a weird... And once again, everything that's coming out with this whole Cardinals-Kyler Murray whole situation, everything seems to just be coming out of left field, in my opinion. I, once again, I never saw any of this coming. And then I never saw this letter coming or this letter looking like this. So everything is just a little bizarre with Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. But let's try to get down to the bottom of it here. This letter released yesterday by Kyler Murray. Let's see what he wants. Let's see what he's saying here. And let's see, is Kyler Murray going to be a Cardinal this upcoming season? So here we go. What do we got? Statement from Kyler Murray's agent. So Kyler Murray's got his agent writing for him. All right, all right, I'm sure it was dictated, I get it, folks, but all right, not putting your own name out there, you're throwing kind of your agent under the bus if it all blows up, did Kyler Murray have any hand in this? I'm sure he did, but what if he didn't? But this is a statement, it's right at the top of the letter, statement from Kyler's agent, Eric Burkhart. All right, let's see what the agent says here, here we go. Kyler wants to be direct with loyal Arizona Cardinals fans in the great community of the Valley in stating his two very important goals and objectives. One, and the, these are all in bold, folks. These two points are all in bold. So he truly, these are very important. They're very important. They're all bolded here. So Kyler Murray truly believes in these two statements. Here they are. Statement number one. He absolutely wants to be your long-term quarterback. And number two, he desperately wants to win the Super Bowl. So, all right, we get Kyler Murray talking to the fans. This is not about the Cardinals organization here. Once again, Kyler Murray thinks he should get paid a lot. Uh, kind of the owners, the management are a little hesitant given, you know, the fall off of this year and, you know, smaller quarterbacks overall in general. So, Kyler Murray addressing this letter to the Cardinals fans in the great community of the Valley. So, once again, kind of playing into the fans to be like, hey, get on my side. Pressure from the fans to the organization to get paid. So, this is truly not great communication between Kyler Murray and the organization right off the rip. Kyler Murray's not even talking to the organization. He's putting out this letter so the fans put pressure on the organization to play, pay Kyler Murray. So, there is a disconnect between the ownership and Kyler Murray uh, just right off the rip here. But let's keep going in the article. Or the letter, excuse me, continuing on saying, quote, Achieving both goals will take incredible commitment from himself and the entire organization. Commitment. He wants to get paid. Despite all of Kyler's energy being focused on the future, he is very proud of the franchise's extreme turnaround in competitiveness and success since his arrival, alongside his teammates and coaches. A successful and valuable foundation for the organization has been built. The team and Kyler's individual three-year track record of undisputed and increasingly positive results while under the extremely challenging circumstances of walking into a three-win team with the last ranked offense in the toughest division in football speaks for itself. Alrighty, Kyler Murray kind of saying, y'all were nothing when I got here. And now we've been getting better every single year, which is the case. Got there 
2019, he went 5-10-1. Following year, went 8-8. Eight and, eight, and then this year, went 9-5. So, yeah, we do see some improvements here. Getting better every single season. Kyler Murray's completion percentage has been better every single season. And that's a huge bright spot for Kyler Murray. Started year 1 at 64%. Year 2, 67%. And then just last season, 14 games played, 69%. Which is absolutely incredible, folks. 69% is absolutely fantastic. Y'all know we love 62-65. to 65 of being good. Anything over 65 is fantastic. And if you're pushing 70, holy moly, ding, ding, ding. We've got a winner. That's a fantastic completion percentage. So, 69% last season, absolutely fantastic. Threw 3,700 yards last season, not his most. He threw the most in 2020, year two at 3,900. But once again, he played two less games from year two to year three. So, he did miss a couple of games here. Uh, touchdown to interception ratio, real solid, 24 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. So overall, yeah, the Cardinals have been improving. They are in one of the most challenging divisions in football. I mean, we saw the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. The Rams won the Super Bowl. And then we get the Seahawks kind of in this limbo stage, maybe a little bit alongside the Cardinals. So yeah, Kyler Murray does make some great points in that. Everything's been getting better. This is the toughest division in football, and I'm just getting started. This is year three, and I was a little banged up, and I didn't have DeAndre Hopkins to close out the season. So, yeah, Kyler Murray has truly been getting great. I mean, we we gave da um, we're giving Daniel Jones, yeah, we're giving Daniel Jones the benefit of the doubt heading into year four, and we've seen nothing, nothing in the same conversation of what Kyler Murray has done. So, I and even Josh Allen, Josh Allen stunk it up two straight years his first two years. Kyler Murray was fantastic year two, great year three I mean and so I get Kyler Murray's little bit of frustration of the organization truly not believing in committing by paying a maximum money I can kind of understand where Kyler Murray is coming from on the flip side, Kyler Murray, a little bit of a smaller quarterback, can't be great without DeAndre Hopkins, so there is kind of some great, a little bit of bad as well, but overall, I mean, we see what quarterbacks do get paid in this league, yeah, I think we give Kyler Murray another deal, let's see what he can continue to do, and once again, it's not all just on Kyler Murray, a lot of people have some not great things to say about Cliff Kingsbury, him as the head coach, offensive mind but not getting the most and they didn't make the most out of all their players who's um I'm blanking the rookie wide receiver let me see if I can bring up his name quickly here. Blanket on the name. The rookie wide receiver, kind of a slot guy, speedster, fantastic. They never really utilized him well. He had a good, let me get his name here, um, Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore, I mean, this man can play, folks. And being kind of like the fourth option out here, and we saw what um, you know happened with Debo Samuel using him in kind of gadget situations in the run and the pass game. I mean, that's kind of what Rondell Moore can be. But they never really kind of utilized him to his his fullest and even when DeAndre Hopkins went down Rondell Moore wasn't really playing at all the man finished with 435 yards which is good a little bit for a rookie but not when you know he can be good on this huge great I mean there's so much talent on the team with the height of DeAndre Hopkins and the catchability the one-on-one -on -one catchability of DeAndre Hopkins and the speed of Kyler Murray and then you've still got you know 
Christian Kirk and bringing in Zach Ertz and AJ Green overall was a little bit of a disappointment, but there are great pieces on this team talent-wise, and we never really got anything great schematically offensively, so once again, the offense floundering in the back end of the season, the final couple of games, really isn't all on Kyler Murray, a little bit of Cliff Kingsbury for not developing the offense of reaching its maximum potential with all the talent on the team. So once again, we can understand Kyler Murray's frustration a little bit out here. Let's continue with the letter. What else is he trying to say through his agent? I really don't like that he had his agent put his name on this. I mean, Kyler Murray puts his picture at the bottom and puts his initials, KM, at the bottom of this letter. But then you title it saying this is coming from the agent? I understand, you know, maybe not wanting to get your hands dirty and all that, keeping your name clean. I get all that, trust me. But, I mean, if you're going to be making statements like this and kind of saying that you're good, I would, I would put my name to that. <laughs> yeah, but... All right, let's keep going here. Does Kyler Murray have any other good points? He's been making some good points so far, folks. Let's see if he uh, keeps it up. All right, uh, it speaks for itself. Here, it uh, here we go. Continuing on. The Cardinals are the only franchise in the NFL to have improved by three or more wins in each of the last three seasons. Um, Improved three or more wins in each of the last... You didn't improve three. You went eight wins two years ago, nine wins last year. So I don't know about three more. I don't know about that one. Okay, but let's keep going here. Kyler was tasked with stepping into a tough situation and named the starter on day one of his arrival. He has delivered and exceeded all reasonable expectations along the way in winning Offensive Rookie of the Year, followed by back-to-back -back Pro Bowls in the ultra-competitive and QB-loaded NFC. Once again, another real solid point right there. I don't love how, you know, Kyler Murray is kind of framing it like, oh my God, it's been so tough out here. It's tough for everybody. I mean, look at all the other situations around the NFL with the quarterbacks. Um, I mean, we, we, we got, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield. That's a huge quarterback, you know, situation. That's a tough, I mean, trying to win in Cleveland. Cleveland's never won. Baker Mayfield's had it tough. There are a lot of quarterbacks that have had it tough in the league. So I don't love that Kyler's kind of focusing in on that. But at the end of the day, once again, he has kind of turned around the Arizona Cardinals. And we do speak about the Arizona Cardinals as deep playoff contenders every year since Kyler has been here. I mean, they we, we do talk about this. Like, uh, uh, let's not forget folks, and that's why we are trying to do our NFL final thoughts uh, before the offseason truly gets into full swing here to get our final thoughts of what happened on the season so we don't kind of, you know, lose actually reality-wise what actually went down. I mean, we do talk about this Cardinals team with Kyler Murray in this lineup and healthy starting. We do talk about this Cardinals team as kind of one of the best teams in the league, one of the better teams in the league here, so... Let's not forget that. This Cardinals team is good. They're good on the field. Let's continue on with the article. Or the, the letters. Excuse us, geez. All right, here we go. Continuing on, saying... Looking ahead, Kyler believes that in order to consistently compete for championships and ultimately deliver the Valley their first Super Bowl in 33-plus years, there needs to be long-term stability for both the organization and himself. To overtly communicate Kyler's desire to be the Cardinals' long-term quarterback, we sent a detailed contract proposal to the organization. It was important to Kyler that his proposal reflected all of the following. 
provides financial production, is in line with the current quarterback market that compares his results alongside relevant comps, lowers his 2022-23 salary cap number to allow the Cardinals to re-sign other deserving teammates and add additional free agents, and most importantly, represents a real commitment from the organization to see if there are ultimate goals aligned with his two above consistently competing for a championship and Kyler being their quarterback. So, I mean, you know, wanting to lower the number, you know, a little bit to help out the team to bring in some other pieces, you know, we love that. Also wanting to get paid, wants to get recognized, you know, we really can't, uh, you know, fault athletes for de- for wanting money, for, you know, being good, con- contributing to the success of a team. Everybody wants their fair share. Everybody wants their fair due. Even y'all working, you know, a regular job. Y'all think, I, I, I can guarantee you if I ask anybody right now, do you think you're underpaid? You would probably say, yeah. Do you? And if I ask, do you think you deserve more money? You'd be like, yeah. Do you think you deserve money, more, more money than some of the other guys that are in kind of the same line of work as you? You would say yes as well. So we really can't not Kyler Murray for wanting to get paid. Really? All right, let's finish it up here. Here we go. Another bold sentence here says, Actions speak much louder than words in this volatile business. And here we are uh, writing words. Kyler Murray doing actions, unfollowing all the Cardinals organization on social media and all that. So we know Kyler Murray is kind of playing a little bit of hardball here. A little bit of hardball from Kyler Murray. I think I got to respect it a little bit. All right, last full paragraph here in the letter. Man, oh man. It is now simply up to the Cardinals to decide if they prioritize their rapidly improving 24-year-old, already two-time Pro Bowl quarterback who led the organization from three wins before his arrival to 11 wins in their first playoff appearance in five years. Or rather, if they choose to financially prioritize committing to other areas... In continuing to merely talk about addressing Kyler's long-term future as their quarterback. Unfortunately, every player, coach, and executive in the NFL knows, or should know, that words and hypothetical contractual promises are regularly dismissed and fleeting in this business. Now, once again, this is kind of what Kyler's saying here, saying that, um, now we understand what he's saying. Saying that uh, they went, to, uh, he got him to 11 wins this season and three more wins every single year than the year previous. Well, Kyler Murray was out those three games, so two more of those wins, Kyler Murray was not playing. So I don't know if I would have included those <laughs> in my kind of reasoning of why I should get paid. They went. Um, Kyler Murray missed three games this season, um, right after the Packers game, and they went two and one. I mean, they beat the Seahawks and they beat the 49ers. They beat the 49ers. I mean, they beat division opponents. And that was something, you know, huge in that letter from Kyler Murray saying, hey, I, you know, I'm in this tough division. Well, the backup quarterback won two of those games in that tough division. So I don't I don't know if that was the best thing for Kyler Murray to bring up in this letter. Everything else I do agree with. But saying that you were a part, helping win 11 games, you won nine, which is definitely respectable. But, you know, saying that you were part of 11 wins, I don't know if that goes for you. I don't know if that you know helps your case out because then you went into the playoffs and threw no touchdowns and two interceptions on 55% completion percentage. So let's you know totally you know bring it all back into focus, Kyler Murray. 
let's, you know, admit, you know, not all of it was fantastic. I mean, it was not all fantastic this entire year, especially down the stretch. Um, but I definitely think he does deserve to be paid. So I can definitely agree with Kyler Murray, but there are some things that, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I would have said, or I would have left out. So, all righty. And then the final sentence right here, once again, all in bold, all in cap saying, Kyler remains hopeful that the organization chooses to commit so that he can continue leading the Cardinals to further success and value for many years to come. So that's what Kyler Murray is saying, or that's at least what the agent is saying. I'm sure Kyler Murray had a big hand in this. So that's where we're at right now. Kyler's like, hey, I want to get paid. And, you know, putting pressure on the organization through the fan base, through social media, being like, hey, I I voiced my opinion. We've sent, you know, contracts that, you know, we feel comfortable with. They're the ones denying it. You know, we're trying to make it all work. We're trying to take, you know, a little bit of less salary cap room this season so we can all, you know, get paid and bring in other talents so we can win the Super Bowl and win games at the end of the year and not kind of flounder in the playoff game. So Kyler Murray playing hardball here. We'll see if it works out. We'll see if the Cardinals pay him. And once again, this is a huge story in the offseason. Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers, two quarterbacks that could potentially be on the move because the team either doesn't want to pay them or, well, a little bit of different situations. Aaron Rodgers, team wants to pay him. Aaron Rodgers doesn't really want to be there. And then they also want to keep Devontae Adams for Aaron Rodgers and all that. Kyler Murray, he just wants to get paid himself. So. We'll see what contract is offered to Kyler Murray if he if he takes it or if he says no thank you and I'll walk when my contract is done. So that's the big old letter that everybody was talking about yesterday, memeing, making fun of, and uh, that's what we've got from Kyler Murray. So we'll see how it all shakes out and plays out. But I think he's made some good points, and if uh, you know right now I have to make the decision. Yeah, I pay Kyler Murray. I pay Kyler Murray, and, uh, you know, we rock for four years and see how it goes. I would trust Kyler Murray to, you know, be competitive and once again continue getting us to the playoffs and seeing if we can make that Super Bowl run. I believe Kyler Murray is a Super Bowl winning quarterback in this league. I know he's a shorter quarterback, and y'all know our feelings on smaller quarterbacks out here, but uh, some of the throws he can make, like Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson won a Super Bowl, got to two. I believe Kyler Murray can do the same as what Russell Wilson is doing, and I do believe with Kyler Murray, Murray's athleticism, Kyler Murray's more athletic than Russell Wilson, um, if Kyler Murray continues to, you know, start and get better, I think at the end of their careers that Kyler Murray will be better than Russell Wilson, and we know Russell Wilson is absolutely fantastic, folks, and this is not a knock on Russell Wilson, I am saying I, th- I can see Kyler Murray having a better overall career than Russell Wilson. Obviously, have to win a, go- a couple of Super Bowls for that to be true, but I can see Kyler Murray doing that. The athleticism, the running, the accuracy, the big old arm and all that, Kyler Murray can get it done. So we'll see if the Cardinals believe in Kyler Murray or if they're like, eh, well, we'll go a different direction. Maybe they're fed up with the smaller quarterbacks. We'll see how it all plays out. But that is the letter from Kyler Murray's agent. Agent. All right. Oof, alrighty, wow. Oh, I don't even know, folks. I don't even know what we're getting to today because that just took a half hour. <laughs> we talked about that for a half hour. Jeez Louise. Um, all right, let's go to this next story here. 
I can't believe we spent an hour, a half hour on that. Holy cow. Um, but that, that's how long the letter was, folks. Jeez. That's why nobody was reading it. And that's why they were like, oh, can we get the Sparks Notes version, please? <laughs> All right. But let's move on here. And ooh, ooh, I don't know if I like this. So we've got uh, two articles here from the Cowboys EVP, Executive Vice President, Vice President Stephen Jones. So we're hearing from the organization of the Cowboys. Once again, they have to kind of cut some people here to get under the salary cap and continue to kind of make off-season moves. And we've heard early on that they're looking to kind of get rid of Amari Cooper to free up some cap space. We absolutely do not love that at all. This Cowboys team needs Amari Cooper. The offense will truly be lacking next season if they do not have Amari Cooper. I have no faith. Uh, I've got a little faith because I do like CeeDee Lamb, but overall the connection between Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb have not been progressing over the last two years, have not looked fantastic, have not looked as good as Amari Cooper with Dak Prescott. So I don't know if CeeDee Lamb can step up and be that number one receiver needed without Amari Cooper. And now we're hearing, we're hearing that Stephen Jones wants to keep Ezekiel Elliott and cut Amari Cooper. If if I have to choose, if I have to pick and choose uh, uh, Ezekiel Elliott or Amari Cooper, I'm sticking with Amari Cooper and I cut Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott has let us down these last two seasons big time. Ezekiel Elliott has not put his team on his back for any game over the last two years and he had ample opportunity to do so when Dak Prescott was out. So for that reason alone, I'm done with Ezekiel Elliott. Reason number two, Tony mother-loving Pollard has been absolutely magnificent last season and really kind of for the last two years. So you make Tony Pollard kind of your number one running back. You bring in another option here. There should be some good names that you could probably get a little cheaper than Ezekiel Elliott. Maybe bringing in Melvin Gordon, who we don't love, but could be a great number two running back uh, for this Cowboys team. I know he would demand to kind of have a lot of money and to be the number one running back. Um, but overall, I mean, I think we can get still some good production from Melvin Gordon. Also, Delvin Cook with the Vikings. He could be up uh, for up to be signed as well. We don't know what the Vikings are truly doing. New head coach, new regime. We'll see if they keep Kirk Cousins and Delvin Cook. But overall, there should be some good running backs that you can put behind Tony Pollard to you know keep this running attack for the Cowboys good and above average. So, I don't love that we're hearing that Stephen Jones wants to keep Ezekiel Elliott. But let's see what these quotes are. Let's see what this man is truly saying here the little bit of the headliner here that grabs everybody's attention Cowboys EVP Stephen Jones says Ezekiel Elliott despite running backs lofty cap number is staying put saying quote he's going to be here Ugh, ugh, I don't love the direction that this Cowboys team is moving in this offseason. The offense, I think they're getting rid of the wrong pieces here and keeping the wrong pieces. But let's uh, see the actual quote here. Uh, two short quotes in this one, so let's read the lead up here. Speaking with reporters on Monday, Cowboys Executive Vice President Stephen Jones put a put to rest any rumors of the team parting ways with their star running back, saying, quote, I want that guy on my team. You talk about playing through 
through some injuries. He's a competitor. I think he's a damn good running back. Obviously, his money is guaranteed. He's going to be here. There's no question. We're fortunate to have him. Um, right here, e Elliott is set to earn a fully guaranteed base salary of $12 million this upcoming season. His base salary and $18 million salary cap number are the highest among, among running backs, according to Over the Cap. With a dead cap number of $30 million, an outright release would be un inconceivable for NFL Network Cynthia Fridland to uh, fr Freeland, uh, put it. So... All right, I guess they don't really save any money cutting Ezekiel Elliott. Everything's kind of guaranteed. So, once again, going back to maybe not the best contract put out there by Jerry Jones paying Ezekiel Elliott first and all that. And once again, going back to what Jerry Jones said this season, I would do anything it takes to win a Super Bowl, even kind of, you know, uh, taking a small step back and letting, you know, kind of the professionals do their thing and the people that know what they're talking about do their thing. And then we saw that didn't really happen in this season so man oh man folks I really don't think there's anything going for this Cowboys team heading into this offseason heading into next season I think this is going to just get worse and worse and worse and I'm definitely not looking forward to that but then we get this one right here. Stephen Jones non-committal on Amari Cooper's future in Dallas saying, quote, it's too early for me to address that. So for Ezekiel Elliott, it was, yeah, I want him here. He's going to be here. No doubt about it. He's here. When he's talking about Amari Cooper, ooh, it's too early for me to comment on this. Not too early to comment on Ezekiel Elliott. Too early to comment on uh, Amari Cooper out here. So let's read this quote. We get uh, one quote here. Two quotes, so let's read the first lead up here. Speaking Monday from the NFL scouting, Convoy, scouting Combine in Indianapolis, Cowboys Executive Vice President Stephen Jones added to the vagueness surrounding Cooper when asked, asked directly if the wideout would be on the roster this season, saying, quote, it's too early for me to address that yet. We're continuing to have conversations. A lot of things affect that. There are some moving parts to that that will have to continue to massage as we move forward. All right. Once again, being noncommittal is never great in the NFL. And then the final thing right here, Jones's hesitancy regarding Cooper's situation stands in stark contract to how he addressed Ezekiel Elliott's contract, noting the guaranteed money. So, yeah, exactly what we just said there, saying, quote, I want Zeke on my team. He's a damn good running back, and I think he's going to help us win this year. He didn't help you win the last two years. How unfortunate. This year is different. Older running back is going to help you win now. I'm not buying it, but uh, back to the quote. And I think he's going to help us win this year. Obviously, his contract, his money is guaranteed. He's going to be here, no question. We're fortunate to have him. So, Cowboys over the cap. Got to get under that cap by any means necessary. And unfortunately, it seems like Amari Cooper may be that... Uh, that player that has to get cut to save the entire team of moving forward and continuing to build. So, Cowboys keeping Ezekiel Elliott looking to move off Amari Cooper, and I really do not think that is the play at all. We Now we get CeeDee Lamb having to be the number one, and his connection with Dak Prescott has not been as good as Dak Prescott with Amari Cooper. So... 
Not looking good for Cowboys fans. I don't know if there's a lot of optimism. Um, we should have an optimism list, and I think we'll we'll put that on our final thoughts, a little bit of an outlook on the final kind of sentence of our wrap-up on every single team of what we just saw this season. Do they have a positive outlook heading into this offseason, heading into next season, or is it a negative outlook? Should the fans be optimistic or pessimistic for their team entering the 2022-2023 season? And so far, ugh, the Cowboys... Uh, uh, I don't know if there should be any optimism here for the Cowboys next season, unfortunately. Alrighty, let's continue on here. Maybe we don't talk that much on uh, NBA today. We've got to get all these stories out, folks. We've uh, we've put them off too long. We've got to get them all out there so we continue so we can continue to talk about the NFL offseason and our final thoughts and all that. So let's continue on here with another story coming up here in the NFL. And this one, okay, I don't love it. The overtime rule, the big hubbaloo, hubbaloo here going on with the fans and social media and the media, especially after, you know, how the Chiefs-Bills game played out of Josh Allen not getting in the ball in overtime because the number one defense in the league could not stop the Chiefs at all. 13 seconds, 70 yards overtime one stop the number one defense couldn't stop anything so we have to change every single rule because the number one defense of the league could not get one crucial stop in a big playoff game so we need to change every rule just like we needed to change the pass interference rule when there was a no call that you know that really kind of screwed the Saints in the playoffs a few years ago. The Rams, I think. Was it the Rams that uh, should have been called for pass interference in that game? Whatever it was. And then we got reviewable pass interference for one season, and then it's no longer here. So once again, I know a little bit of an overreaction because the number one defense in the league could not get a stop in the playoffs. See how absurd this sounds now, folks? Uh, you know, putting context into it, you tell me, oh my God, the, you, you just tell me, oh my God, the overtime rules are unfair. I mean, Josh Allen played fantastic, and, you know, he didn't even get the ball in his hands. I'd be like, oh, wow, yeah, that needs to be changed then. The fact that, you know, Josh Allen played so gosh dang well, and it was just an unfortunate tie at the end of regulation. Was it because Josh Allen, you know, led them on a game-tying drive in the final three minutes? Oh, it wasn't? Oh, well, oh, okay. Well, then what happened? Oh, the oh the defense. Oh, the the number one defense in the league? Oh, they they gave up how many? They gave, they gave up what? Four, 20, 20 points? 14 points in the final two minutes? They, they allowed the Chiefs to get into field goal position? With 13 seconds left? What? No, then no, then no. The Josh Allen definitely should not be guaranteed a chance to touch the ball in overtime because there's three facets to the game, folks. Offense, defense, special teams. It's not just offense in the NFL. And once again, we know the NFL wants to just make it all offense, but I don't know. I don't agree. Don't agree at all on that. So, we get the NFL Competition Committee to discuss possible changes to the overtime rules. Alrighty, let's see. Uh, let's quickly read this article. Very short. We can go through it quickly here. Let's see what they're potentially thinking about changing, what uh, they're t potentially talking about. Is it going to be play put in place this season, next season, if it does get passed and all that? So, let's see. Once again, y'all were clamoring for this. I wasn't. 
But let's see. Let's see what they're potentially planning on talking about or thinking about doing here. So here we go. The NFL Competition Committee is set to meet in Indianapolis this week to discuss several subjects, including a possible rule change to that w- possible rule change that was a hot topic during the 2021 playoffs. Rich McKay, chairman of an NFL Competition Committee, said Sunday there is no question proposed changes to overtime will be brought up. All right, so they're going to be brought up. Okay. McKay, and they've been brought up before. This is not the first time that overtime rules uh, solutions have been brought up. So I've got no problem with being brought up and talking through it. If you can make a smart improvement, I would listen to that. But let's see if they can come up with a smart solution that doesn't just benefit the offense like a 4th and 15 onside kick. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I do not want that implemented in the NFL. And if it is implemented, I'm done with the NFL. I will quit cold turkey. I will quit takes by fans. I will quit talking about the NFL. I will quit watching the NFL if they ever implement that dumb rule of a fourth and 15 wherever you want to spot the ball for an onside kick. That is so gosh dang dumb. I will not stand for it. I will not stand for that. I will put my foot down and I would take a stance, folks. I do not care. <laughs> Back to the article. All right, McKay said he expects some overtime proposals related to playoffs only while others could include the regular season. So, okay, maybe playoffs only. I can get a little bit more support for that as well. All right. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts have submitted a proposal to guarantee each team an overtime position, uh, possession, Batista reported per a source. If approved, the rule change would apply to both regular season and playoffs. Batista adds that the level of support for overtime rule change is unclear. Such a measure would need 24 votes out of the among 32 teams to be enacted. So, I mean, you really need the majority on your side, 24 out of 32. So. I do love that as well. Uh, You know, more, you know, not just kind of a 50-50, 51-49 majority, anything like that. 24 of the 32. So, more than not. Need to agree. Adjusting the current overtime rules gained traction among the public and within the league in January. Yeah, we, we got all that. Overtime rules have been adjusted over the years. All it took was a field goal to win before the 2010 postseason. Then the NFL required a first possession touchdown to end the game without the opponent touching a ball. Under these rules, coin toss winners came out victorious in 52% of overtime games. In the postseason... However, coin toss winners are 10 in 1. So, a little bit of 50 50, 52 48 coin toss winner winning regular. Regular season games, overtimes, where you'd go to the postseason out of the 11 times that happened, 10 that won the coin toss went down and won the game outright, and those were 10 and 1. So we do see a little bit of a drastic comparison from postseason overtime or from regular season overtime to postseason overtime. So the numbers are kind of agreeing with y'all for the rule change, but still at the end of the day, your defense needs to make a play. So what happens? Chiefs get the ball first. They go down, score a touchdown. Then the Bills go down and score a touchdown. Then the Chiefs score another touchdown, a field goal, and the game is over. And then what's the rule change after that? Well, you need to win by seven now. Oh, you got to win by 10 now. You got to win by two possessions. You got to do this. You got to do that. I mean, at some point, your defense, that's the number one defense in the NFL, has to make a stand at some point in the game. So I don't, I 
don't agree. I, I still don't agree. We'll see what the rule is. We'll see what the proposed rule is and take it from there. But I, 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 I don't know if I could just get behind, hey, both teams need to touch the ball. Why? Because your defense is trash? Because your number one defense in the league is trash? Because you gave up a field goal with 13 seconds left in the game? That's why the rule needs to be changed? I can't get behind that because of those reasons. You bring up other reasons, the 10-1, and 1, I think that's the more glaring issue. 10-1, and 1, basically you win the coin toss, you win the game. That's more concerning to me than your defense uh, giving up 13, uh, three points in the final 13 seconds. So, we'll see how they continue to talk about this, what the proposed rule change is. Is it, uh, is it outside the box thinking? Does it make sense and all that? We'll discuss, we'll discuss it when that and if that rule proposed change does come out to be voted on. We'll see how it all shakes out. But just at the current moment, to say both teams need to touch the ball, I do not agree. Do not agree. All right, let's continue on here. More stories to talk about here. And then this one up here, general manager of the Broncos says the Broncos wide receiver have to be better. And that is exactly right. These receivers have been so lackluster for what they're capable of, for what they're capable of. This should be the best wide receiver core in the entire league. Speed and size and height, folks. They've got it all. All three big tall and can catch the ball. We know this. And they all truly underperformed last season. Let's talk about these receivers. Number one, receiver number one here, Cortland Sutton, a 6-4 receiver. That is gold in the NFL. If I have my choice, I am taking height. Give me height. I love speed as well, Tyree Kill. But for the most part, give me height. I want to throw 50-50 balls in the back corner of the end zone every time I approach the end zone. I need height for that. 6-4 will get it done. So Cortland Sutton, big, tall, fantastic. But he only had 700 yards this season? Didn't even break 1,000? The hell is that? Now, we understand a little bit the quarterback play was not great. So we will give the Broncos wide receivers a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here, especially since they just brought in their new head coach this season, folks, Nathaniel Hackett, offensive genius. So we love the offensive mind. That should definitely help out these receivers of continuing to get better. All right, then wide receiver number two, come on out. We got, uh, you know, rookie sensation Jerry Judy that didn't progress from year one to year two, mainly because he had the injury, only really started five games. He did play 10, but only started five games, and he only had 400 yards. So banged up through the season and all that, but he's fantastic. He's 6'1", so solid kind of average height for a wide receiver in the league, but he's fast, he's shifty, great athleticism, a great receiver to have. And then we round out with wide receiver number three come on out here Tim Patrick another 6-4 6-4 tall as heck wide receiver yes yes and with Corlin Sutton not getting the yards and Jerry Judy out Jerry Judy out of the starting lineup Tim Patrick had 700 yards <laughs> didn't progress from 2020 to 2021 2020 had 742 yards only playing 15 games. 2021 played 16 games and had 734 yards, eight less yards with more opportunity because Jerry Judy wasn't out there every single game. 
So yeah, these receivers truly, truly 100% need to get better. So let's quickly uh, go in this article here. I want to read the full quote here by General Manager George Patton, uh, what he says about these receivers. Because definitely need to be better. But once again, no coaches, you have, or no head, uh, no, no quarterback, no great quarterback, I should say. Still giving Teddy Bridgewater a tad of the benefit of the doubt, a little bit of a tad of a benefit of the doubt given for Teddy Bridgewater. But you had Vic Fangio, defensive mind, head coach, all that. So we could definitely, you know, be optimistic. Broncos fans, you need to be optimistic heading into the season. Everything is truly kind of coming along together so far. Offensive minded head coach, still have the three receivers, just need to get the quarterback back right and you know we're off and running next season absolutely Aaron Rodgers off and running you bring in Devonta Adams oh my goodness sprinting right out of the starting blocks folks so Broncos fans be optimistic heading into next season absolutely fantastic all right let's uh get this what do we got one quote here by the man yeah one quote so let's read the lead up quickly here all right, uh, we got to go all the way up here. All right, here we go. Featuring Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and Tim Patrick, the Denver Broncos wide receiver core is brimming with potential. Big time brimming with potential. Big time brimming. Tall, fast, height, folks. We just told you. It's all fantastic. Problem is, the potential's been there for quite some time, and it's yet to be fulfilled on a consistent basis. Broncos general manager George Patton wants to see that change quickly saying quote they all need to play better and they want to be great they'll all they're all really talented we need to be better around them exactly that be better around them and so far they have with uh, Nathaniel Hackett being the uh, head coach now back to the quote we need to be better around them we need to get the best out of them you can't point to one thing you can't point to the quarterback or the scheme they have to be better and they know that but they're hungry and they're prideful now, I understand why, you know, you have to say that as a general manager. Oh, we can't just kind of point to one thing and say that's the problem. I understand you have to say that, but I mean, that's a, that's a that's one of the big reasons why we did not get the great production from these receivers. Teddy Bridgewater was still reluctant to go deep on a consistent basis all year long. And once again, Vic Fangio, the offense always lacks when you have a defensive-minded head coach. Even with Bill Belichick, folks, Tom Brady had one year of a good wide receiver that is it that is it then he made everybody else work because that's the greatness of Tom Brady and the scheme overall of the Patriots system but you know we're talking about the greatest coach of all time in the offense was still a little lackluster for the Patriots with Tom Brady overall not giving him all the weapons here so you give us other defensive minded coaches that are not even close to being called the greatest coach of all time yeah of course the offense is going to be lacking and we see this folks another reason why you must be be offensive minded at the head coaching position folks do y'all not understand by now we let the facts do the talking for us we don't have these wild outrageous takes that have no merit or any facts to back it up folks we we say a take then we use facts to keep backing it up and then we go two months without talking about that take and then we bring it back up once we get more information three months five months two years down the road and if there is any counter uh counter information counter data that that goes against our narrative we talk about it investigate it and then that helps us shape what the actual narrative is but for the most part you need an offensive minded guy at that coaching position 
So, I uh, definitely need these receivers to be better, but I mean, we have a great first step of making these receivers better, and that's having Nathaniel Hackett be the offensive-minded head coach for this Broncos team. So, once again, Broncos fans, get excited. You're a quarterback away from being real contenders, real playoff, deep playoff team contenders out here. So, we'll see what this Broncos team continues to do this offseason. Leading up to the draft, leading up to free agency and all that. And we'll see what they do with the quarterback, but must get the quarterback right because you got 6'4". You got 6'4", and Teddy Bridgewater is still not wanting to go deep. You give me 6'4", I don't even know if Jerry Judy ever sees the ball, honestly. I love Jerry Judy, don't get me wrong, but he's not 6'4". Give me the height because I'm going deep and I'm giving you the chance on 50-50 balls every single time. So, we'll see how the Broncos continue to progress. But so far, general manager George Patton, he, he knows what's up. These receivers got to be better. And we'll see if uh, their new additions, head coach, quarterback-wise, can make these receivers better. All right, here we go. Next story up here. We got some international games and not just the London game that we're all used to, folks. We're bringing in a new country. Alrighty, so I know the player. I don't think any of the players really love these overseas games. The fans uh, in America, they could really care less about overseas games. I'm assuming I don't really care. The only great thing about that London game is that we get football all day long. A nine, a one, a four, and eight. That's the best thing about the overseas games, which I think they're tuning this season. I don't think we're getting an early London game anymore, folks. I think the uh, the early London games here in America for or at least are done so I think they're going to be kind of you know one o'clock games now in America time so that's lame so now there's no point of international games but they're expanding them they're going back to Mexico they did that for one year I believe the Raiders were in it or something two three years ago pre-pandemic that's when they had the Mexico City game and they're back in Mexico. They don't they the Cardinals will be playing in Mexico. We do not know their opponent just quite yet. We just know the Cardinals will be playing in Mexico this upcoming season. Uh, let's see if Kyler Murray still wants this kind of contract, right? He's like, "Oh, I don't want to play in Mexico. No, thank you. <laughs> you y'all can trade me. Y'all can release me. Crumple up that letter. Uh, I was lying in that letter. I don't want to be here anymore." <laughs> uh, so Cardinals are playing in Mexico. We do get two London games this season. We got Saints at the Packers. Uh, Saints and the Packers playing, and then the Jaguars will be playing somebody as well. We don't know their opponent. And then the newest addition here, they're going to Germany. They're going to Munich, folks. The Tampa Bay Bucks will be playing in Munich. Once again, we don't know the Bucks' opponent in Germany, but they will be going to Germany this season. All right, is this what we need? I know the NFL wants it because obviously expanding markets, more viewers, more money. We obviously know why the NFL wants to do this, but we know the players don't really, I don't think the players like traveling like this, especially when you got like a week to prepare and then you have to fly and then get acclimated to the time change and all that just to play one game, then to head home. And uh, like the Dolphins last season, they didn't have the bye after the London game. They had to play like eight more games till they got the bye. So they had to go, they had played a game in America. America, went to London, then had to go play another game the following week back in America. So I've got no real problem if you give these teams that play overseas the bye the following week, but we see that's not always the case. The Dolphins were the one that really got the short end of the stick. I want to say there was four teams that went to London this season. 
two games, and uh, three of the four teams, I believe, had the bye after that international game, where the Dolphins, they're like, okay, yeah, y'all are good for eight more weeks, <laughs> eight more games, like, if it was, like, one more game, and then the bye, all right, but they literally put the Dolphins for, like, eight more games, <laughs> and then, all right, then the bye, and it's like, all right, uh, geez, Louise, it's a little too late for that. So I don't think the players love the overseas games. I don't think it does for anything for the fans in America if it's not like an early morning game so we get an entire day, a true entire day of football. Um, so I don't really know why. Well, once again, we do know why the NFL does it. And once again, the NFL is always going to choose money over everything. Once again, folks, cash rules everything around us, okay? Um, not even cream anymore. It's crew. Cra cra cash rules everything around us. Us. Yes, folks, we need to all get on that same page. But um, that's what the NFL is doing, folks. So we got uh, three different countries hosting games next season. Germany, a little close to some conflict that is going on at the current moment. So we'll see if this game is truly going to be played in Germany. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but we got Mexico games. We got London games. We got Germany games coming up for 2022, folks. So... We'll see how it all plays out. We'll watch it. We'll give it the benefit of the doubt there to see, if, is it a good product? Are the games good? All of that. Is it worth it? We'll have our conclusion once we see the games. But so far, uh, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't do anything for me. I can take it or leave it, obviously. Uh, gives the fans overseas a chance to see some live football. That's great for them. Yeah, absolutely. Just doesn't do anything for us, us Americans over here. And isn't that what it's about, folks? America, America first. America is the greatest country of all time. Yes, <laughs> yes, folks, okay. Uh, do we care about London? <laughs> do we care about Mexico? Do we care about Germany, folks? <laughs> I'm joking, folks. Will y'all relax, okay? Jeez Louise. I love Germany. I love Mexico. I love London. I would live in all three of these countries. I'm going to go to all these games in different countries, okay? Will y'all relax, folks? We were joking. Of course, America is not number one. Well, kind of, but. We digress. we digress, okay? So, we got international games coming. We'll see how all that plays out this year. All right, uh, a couple more to get to, folks. All right, we're going to go longer than we expected, but hey, we've got time today, so why not? All right, continuing on with some NFL stories, we got this one. The Giants are unlikely to pick up quarterback Daniel Jones' fifth-year option, which is a little interesting, a little interesting. Uh, you know, you bring in Brian Dable, obviously offensive-minded guy, right decision, well done for the Giants, on the right tire. But you bring in Brian Dable, you know, everybody's talking up Daniel Jones. Brian Dable's like, hey, I'm going to tailor the offense to Daniel Jones. So, And then they don't pick up the fifth-year option or not planning to pick up the fifth-year option. So, you know, this is truly Daniel Jones' last chance, and the Giants are kind of sending that message by not picking up the fifth-year option. So next year, he will be a free agent. Next year, the Giants will kind of have to pay him. Um, you know, if, if Daniel Jones kind of, you know, takes off and plays well, they're going to have to pay him a lot of money. Money, but if he flounders, you know, they can, you know, just kind of wipe their hands and be like, all right, we're moving on. So this is a huge year for Daniel Jones. It's a put up or shut up year. I thought, it, you know, the put up, put up or shut up year was last season, but hey, you get one more chance. So, you know, more power to Daniel Jones. Go get it done. Absolutely. I mean, you've got all the support around you. There's no more excuses. 
high risk, high reward here for the Giants for not picking up the fifth-year option. So, I mean, the Giants obviously want Daniel Jones to be good, but if he is good, they're going to have to pay him. But then they also may be like, hey, it was only one year. Do it twice. So we're not going to pay you that much money, but you got to do it twice. And then, you know, your third contract, your second contract, then, you know, hey, we'll pay you some good money. So high risk, high reward here for the Giants. Put up or shut up here for Daniel Jones. So we'll see how it all plays. But however you slice it, there is pressure from every angle here on the Giants this season to be good. We'll see if they live up to that. And we'll see if Brian Dable has the gall to uh, kind of live up to the pressure so far put on the Giants. All right, next story up here, and this is, uh, I would say this as well here. Former Minnesota Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer complained about Kirk Cousins in meetings and said he didn't make enough winning plays. This is coming out from The Athletic. So we know the Vikings moved off of Mike Zimmer, which, you know, it was the right decision. Mike Zimmer with Kirk Cousins, it was just not working. I get rid of both of them and start from scratch. Uh, but what, what, did we, what have we been saying about the Vikings for literally the past two years, folks? They are the enigma of... Of the NFL, Kirk Cousins, great stats overall, no quality playoff wins or any kind of meaningful, long-lasting playoff wins or anything like that. Same thing with Delvin Cook, great stats, no impactful wins, no clutch moments, anything like that. Same thing with Kirk Cousins. So, yeah, Mike Zimmer's right, folks. Kirk Cousins, I'd be complaining about him as well. And this is why we have our reservations of the new Vikings head coach, Kevin O'Connell, coming in and being like, yeah, Kirk Cousins is the guy. I'm rocking with Kirk Cousins. He's here. I'm ready to rock with him. We're like, oh, we don't know if that's the best case why don't you see him in person first who do we just hear um uh, the offensive coordinator for the Dolphins coming in he was like hey I want you know I like to I like what I've seen so far but let me see what he can do on the field before I truly start gushing over him so I think Kevin O'Connell is making a little bit of a mistake here early on just truly blindly believing in Kirk Cousins to get it done Mike Zimmer I mean this is no scrub of a coach folks he's not fantastic he's not one of the top three coaches ever in NFL history but this is a name in the NFL he's got some you know mustard behind him of what he's done in the past year defensive wise head coaching wise so um, you know, the fact that Mike Zimmer is complaining about Kirk Cousins, I mean, that's what we've been saying these last two years, folks. Yes, the stats are good, but if the stats don't come with the wins, then it's just stats. And what do we care about just stats for? What does stats do? Stats are supposed to kind of help make it easier for us to see the wins. You're not getting the wins. You're just stat guy. You want to be remembered for stats and not wins? You play to stat the game? I don't I don't think that's what it is. You play to win the game. Isn't that the saying? You play to win the game. Not you play to stat the game. Kirk Cousins plays to stat the game. The hell are we doing? Just talk about stats, folks. Give me the wins. Give me the wins. And Kirk Cousins was never a winner. And Mike Zimmer says it right here. He didn't make enough winning plays. Exactly that. Exactly that. Kirk Cousins should not be a starting quarterback in this league anymore. We've said that. We stand by that. And uh, Mike Zimmer agrees, folks. So once again, once again, we say narratives on the show. And then we take a couple of months of not saying that narrative because, you know, we don't need to. We've said it to exhaustion. And then more information comes out supporting that narrative. So... Were we ever wrong ever saying that the Vikings are the enigma of the NFL? No, no, of course not, folks. We know what we're talking about. Why we started the show? You thought I just started a show for no reason? <laughs> I'm just some dude that doesn't know what he's talking about and decided to start a show one day? Come on, folks. <laughs> Come on. 
So, Mike Zimmer, we'll see uh, potentially getting a defensive gig this season, but uh, Kevin O'Connell, beware. Be aware of Kirk Cousins. It's false hope. It's false stats. It's false. It's falsity. It's falsity at the quarterback position. You think it's a mirage. It's, Kirk Cousins is a mirage, folks. You're in the desert, and you look off into the distance. You're like, damn, they got a vending machine out here? They don't even got no buildings here, but they got a vending machine, which is great because I am parched as heck. You walk over to the vending machine, and as you go to hit the button for that cold Aquafina water, you go to hit the button, you get your finger poked. You're like, oh, what the hell was that? Vending machines aren't prickly. And you push it again. Yeah, it pricks you again in the finger. You're like, what the hell is going on? It's because he's a cactus. The vending machine was a cactus. It was a mirage. Your dehydration caused you to hallucinate a vending machine. And now you're bleeding from your finger because you got poked twice by that prickly cactus. And now you're also dehydrated and you're about to go insane because you're looking all around you and you realize you're screwed because this is all desert around me now. Kevin O'Connell. Don't fall for the mirage. Don't fall for the cactus being seen as a vending machine. Kirk Cousins is a cactus disguised as a vending machine. So Mike Zimmer has warned us, Kevin O'Connell, don't make the same mistake and don't get fired. That's the only reason Mike Zimmer got fired from the Vikings, folks, is because Kirk Cousins was not making enough winning plays. Also, the defense wasn't the greatest. We heard that right from Mike Zimmer's mouth last season as well. But overall, Kevin O'Connell, take what has happened around you. Listen to what people are saying that have worked with Kirk Cousins and make the right decision. Kirk Cousins should not be the starting quarterback this season for the Vikings. And I don't even know if he should even be on the team. He's done enough. He, his, his kind of stench, his not enough winning plays stench is already a little bit too much on the team. So you got to kind of air it out. You got to get rid of him, air out the team, and move forward. Kevin O'Connell, this is your team now. This is your chance to prove you're a good head coach. Do not let Cactus Kirk Cousins Ruin that for you, yes? Ruin your entire career future of coaching in the NFL. Get rid of Kirk Cousins. I think that's our new ca I, that's our new canvas next year, folks. I think I've uh, figured one out already. Cactus Kirk Cousins. You think he's a vending machine? He's really a cactus. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Four more to go here. We can go through these quickly here. Uh, but this one I love. Oh, my God. I love this so gosh dang much. The Browns are expected to have an interest in guess who, folks? I love this. The Browns are expected to have an interest in Marcus Mariota for competition for Baker Mayfield. Yes. 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 We love Marcus Mariota. We love this man. Not because what he did in Tennessee, but what he did for one game. Not even a full game, but what he did for one one game last year, folks, for the Raiders coming in, didn't even win the game, just looked good. I loved what I saw from Marcus Mariota, and we've been clamoring, gushing for more Marcus Mariota ever since that point, folks, since 2020. 
we have wanted to see Marcus Mariota. Didn't get him this year. We were a little bit calling for Marcus Mariota to be traded to a new team so we could see him this season. That never came to be, but we may be getting our wish now, and this would be fantastic. Baker Mayfield let us down big time this season, did not step up, did not elevate his play at all. So, yeah, bring in Marcus Mariota. Push Baker Mayfield, and if Baker Mayfield's not getting better, then you go with Marcus Mariota, and we can finally see, is Marcus Mariota good? He wasn't the greatest in Tennessee. Okay, some glimpses, but now, you know, you've been around the block a couple more times. You got some more experience. You've seen what a different system can do for you. You've learned from other ideals, from other players. This would be your third team, just gathering information and all that. What has Marcus Mariota learned in this little bit of a journey ever since he got kind of kicked out of Tennessee? Unfortunately deserved. Unfortunate, though. Um, but, um, yeah, Marcus Mariota back in the potential news of being a starting quarterback in this league, and we are all here for it, folks. Two big names backup-wise to look out for this upcoming season, Marcus Mariota and Gardner Minshew. We know the overall draft class for quarterbacks isn't anything uh, to really kind of write home about. It's not like the draft of the last two seasons where, I mean, we're talking about four or five quarterbacks drafted in the first round. Don't really think we're getting that this year. So, backup quarterbacks are going to be a premium this year, and Marcus Mariota and Gardner Minshew have shown enough real-time in-game situations where, yeah, they deserve a look and they deserve a chance to compete in OTAs, in uh, training camp and all that to potentially be a starter once again in this league. So Marcus Mariota, take this opportunity. If it does come to fruition, the Raiders still kind of have to trade you and all that to happen. But, uh, you know, man, oh, man, to see, Dar uh, to see Marcus Mariota back out on the field and having a chance to compete for a starting quarterback spot, I am all here for it. Absolutely, folks. Loved what I saw from Marcus Mariota two years ago. Loved it. Alrighty, you know, talking about backup quarterbacks here, we get Buffalo Bills free agent Mitch Trubisky is expected to have interest from the Saints, the Giants, and the Steelers. If he goes to the Giants, he'll be a backup for a year, but once again, they're not picking up Daniel Jones' fifth option, so maybe he can start in a few seasons or not. Uh, the Saints, we don't really know, potentially going with Jameis Winston, potentially still sticking with him, also potentially not. We'll see how that goes. And then the Steelers, they need a quarterback. Mitch Trubisky could be that guy for or the Steelers. So we got options backup quarter wise and we don't love Mitch Trubisky. Don't get me wrong. I don't know if he, he is a starter, but one thing I do know is Matt Nagy is not a good head coach or a good coach at all or an offensive mind or anything like that. So Mitch Trubisky may be good, maybe solid, and I think he deserves another chance to see what he can do without Matt Nagy ruining him. So, some options uh, for quarterback, folks. They, there are options out here. Backup quarterbacks, potentially starting quarterbacks out here. There are some options, folks. So, we'll see what the teams decide to do that need a starting quarterback. Do they draft it or do they try to go with a proven backup to get it done? We'll see what the teams decide to do. All right, and then two quick videos here before we close out the NFL of the show and try to get out of here. Uh, we got to the first one up here. We get Jameis Winston coming back off that ACL tear, and we love Jameis Winston. This man posts videos all the time of him working out, not kind of, you know, uh, annoyingly like, hey, look at me, I'm working out. Nobody else works out besides me. But, you know, just somebody kind of catching him with the video, him doing his thing, not even kind of really looking at the camera. He does in the beginning, but, I mean, this is a physical therapy office, so they're trying to get some clout to filming Jameis Winston. 
regardless of what it is, it gets to social media, but we love this man working out, folks. Love working out workout footage regardless, but Jameis Winston, I mean, this man truly gets after it at everything. That's why we love Jameis Winston so much. Um, you know, because he just seems like a good guy overall and doing the right thing for the most part, you know, ever since he got to the NFL, you know, the college stuff, whatever. Uh, but he just seems like a good guy overall and he's having fun. He's working on it. And, uh, you know, it's just classic Jameis. So we get him kind of running on a treadmill right here, you know, uh, back moving laterally, a little bit of a ladder drill here, you know, in a physical therapy office, getting better, trying to return to playoff for, uh, uh, football competitive form. Here he is balancing on one foot, uh, not shaking, catching medicine balls, throwing medicine balls. Here he is shuffling around like he would in the pocket, speed walking right here. Yes, sir, speed walking. Oh, man, oh, man, and man, oh, man. So Jameis Winston is back at it, folks. Working to come back and trying his third attempt to be a starting quarterback in this league. So all power to Jameis. Uh, we know he can get it done. And uh, we'll see how he progresses training and physical therapy. And if the Saints uh, continue to go with them or not. One thing we do need about Jameis Winston a little bit more is the offense to be a little bit better. Once again, the Saints offense was lackluster for the most part. Not really on the quarterbacks themselves. Play calling, not having the deep threat wide receivers consistently on the field available. Once again, no Michael Thomas. So we do like Jameis Winston. He did cut down the interceptions. Fantastic. Uh, but let's see if we can still be comfortable throwing the ball down the field without turning over the ball. But whatever the case is, the man is getting back to football form after that ACL tear. So all power to Jameis Winston. Alrighty, the final thing. We got to finally start one. Folks, I'm like backlogged. I'm backlogged like almost 10 top 10 plays. We love that the NFL does this. Uh, they tweet out top 10 plays from players and teams from last season uh, when the season ended. And we are, what, two weeks removed? Two going on three weeks? Two going on two? I don't know. We're about two weeks removed from the Super Bowl, folks. So they have been tweeting out. And usually it was only one a day they would tweet it out. But now they're doing like three, four a day. I am backlog top ten. So we got to get one out of the way here today. So here we go. Top 10 plays from the Rams season. Rams Super Bowl season. Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup. I'm sure they're dominating the top 10 here. But let's see what we get. And remember, the great season by the Rams that resulted into an NFL championship Super Bowl trophy. Shout out to Sean McVay. Shout out to Matthew Stafford. And let's see who else we should be shouting out here from the top 10 plays of the Rams Super Bowl season. So here we go. Play number 10 in the Super Bowl. First quarter, third and three, and Matthew Stafford to OBJ for the go-ahead starting scoring of the Super Bowl. Let's watch this one one more time. Great throw here by Matthew Stafford. Five wide, and once again, one-on-one -on -one matchups. Throws it up for OBJ to go and get, and he goes and gets it. One-on-one -on -one matchups. Tall receivers go out and get them. Yes, there's obviously exceptions to the rule. OBJ, OBJ is not that tall, not like a 6'4", but he goes up and gets the ball. That's the type of receivers I want on my team. Go up and get the ball. Matthew Stafford in his first Super Bowl, not shy 
shying away from the big throw. Hey, this is a one-on-one -on -one matchup. I just have to trust my arm. That's all I have to do. You're telling me all I have to do is trust my arm and I get guaranteed seven points right here? Yeah. And what did Matthew Stafford do? Exactly just that. First time in the Super Bowl. First time on a great team. And he believes and trusts his ability. A little, I mean, if we want to get a little nitpicky on it, a little underthrown. Got to kind of throw that one out a little bit more um, deeper into the end zone. But at the end of the day, realizing the one-on-one -on -one matchup, utilizing your weapons, going to your talent, trusting your arm. We can't say anything bad about any of that. So, well done to top 10 play number 10. OBJ, yeah, go get up. Go up and get that ball. Yeah. All right, here we go. Play number nine. We get a little bit of a punt here. Vikings punting. When have we seen that? And here we go. Punt return from the 40-yard line, and he is gone down the sideline. Vikings being classic. Vikings right here. We get to number 19, Brandon Powell with the 60-yard punt return. Play number eight. We get Matthew Stafford going deep to Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup against the Bucks here. This was what, week two? Um, week three? Three of the season. Rams um, beating the... Oh, no, this was in the playoffs. The second meeting. In the playoffs in the first half, we all know how this game went. Matthew Stafford going deep here. Once again, under through the ball. And that's definitely probably the biggest glaring mark on Matthew Stafford overall this season. Um, the accuracy was good, but it wasn't like elite accuracy. The arm strength wasn't elite. It was all really, really good here by Matthew Stafford this season. And it was. We can't knock it too much, but let's shore up the accuracy heading into next year. Yes? But overall, Cooper Cup always open, always open. So big time shout out to Cooper Cup this season. Truly emerging as uh, saying, hey, I should be highly regarded as one of the top three wide receivers in the NFL right now. So shout out to Cooper Cup for that. You can definitely make the argument for number one, number two, number three. I have them at 1B. That's where we have them. But here we go. Number seven, week 18, final week against the 49ers. And this was in the fourth quarter, tied 17-17. Rams come up. Jalen Ramsey, that man is a ball hawk, bobbling up the ball, intercepts the ball. Now, unfortunately, we know the Rams lost this game. Not great. But Jalen Ramsey, we know this Rams defense was fantastic all season long. Huge play right there. Unfortunately, didn't go their way at the end, but a huge play nonetheless defensively. Play number six here, Matthew Stafford, and this was the play. This was basically the play of the Super Bowl uh, be besides the uh, go-ahead touchdown. But let's uh, here it is, second and seven around midfield. Three minutes left in the fourth quarter, down four points. Matthew Stafford fighting, firing an absolute bullet to Cooper Cup, and I believe this was the no-look pass. Yeah, the no-look pass to Cooper Cup. Play number six. It should be a little bit higher. This I mean, this won them the Super Bowl. You pick up the first down. Now you're basically already at the red zone, and it's Matthew Stafford in the red zone who's been pretty solid all year long. So... Man, oh, man, this should be a little bit higher. Let's see. Is anything better than this play? Because that was fantastic. The no-look pass to Cooper Cup in the Super Bowl. Sheesh, sheesh, sheesh. Here we go. Play number five. Well, here it is. Uh, the touchdown catch. I guess you could put this one above the other one because this was the actual touchdown. And once again, Matthew Stafford, a Cooper Cup, back shoulder in the end zone. 101 matchup against Eli, and Matt, uh, Eli Apple. And once again, this route, this route by Cooper Cup. Watch it again. That step, that jab 
one step inside and then going outside to give him more room on the boundary. Matthew Stafford puts it absolutely on the money. On the money right there. So, sheesh, what a play. What a play. Man. Uh, man. I'm, mad. I'm so upset the season's over because, man, man, that Super Bowl by Matthew Stafford, he needs so much credit for that. Man, oh, man. But that was only best play number five? We get five, four, four, three, two, one, four more plays? Come on. Oh, what's going to be better than this? We get a week one play against the Bears. You're telling me this is better? Matthew Stafford play action going absolutely enormously deep. Holy cow. Hitting uh, jo Von Jefferson all the way down the field. How long was this throw? Holy cow. Uh, let's count the yards on this one. Uh, he didn't underthrow this one. Threw it from the 25-yard line, getting it all the way down to the 20. Man, oh, man. 25 to the 50, that's 25. 50 to the 20, that's 30. That's 55 yards. Clean, clean. Poof, poof. Man. And then Von Jefferson doing his thing, uh, finishing with the touchdown. So that's play number four. All right. I don't know. Is that play better? Against the Bears team? I don't know. I don't know. I like those Super Bowl plays. Man, oh, man. Both of them. I would put either one of those at number one. Number three, here we go. NFC Championship game against the 49ers. Rams up 20-17. to 17. Jimmy Garoppolo scrambling all over the place. Has to just kind of throw it away. And there it is. The Rams defense getting it done in the big situations like we know they can. Week 18, the offense beefed it after the defense got it done because there were still eight minutes left. This time, there was no chance for this offense to beef it because they were able to run out the clock after this interception. So, game-winning interception basically by this Rams defense. Aaron Donald says, give me my ring. And that man was true. Week, two weeks later, the man got a ring. Here we two here we go divisional round number play number two divisional round right here Matthew Stafford tie game 27 27 once again because the offense was beefing the game the offense all the turnovers putting the defense in a bad situation offense beefing the game but then the offense won the game they reverse beefed the game here with about 30 seconds left the big shot the uh, everybody saying it was a uh, miscue misplay by the Bucks defense that they didn't hear the call so the wide open shot down the field that Matthew Stafford puts it absolutely on the money to once again Cooper Cup wide open and here we go the best play of the Rams season right here all right, they're going to go defense here. All right, defense wins championships, folks. We have to remember that. Defense wins in the Super Bowl. Now, we did give the Bengals defense a little bit too much credit, I think, in the Super Bowl overall. Uh, that's why we still chose the Bengals to win the Super Bowl because defense. But overall, we should have, you know, should have not been blinded, blinded by this Bengals defense saying that the Rams defense was better. Defense wins championships, folks. And the number one play is just that. Uh, Rams up 3, 23 to 20. 40 seconds left, fourth and one. Joe Burrow wrapped down real early on. Has to throw the ball basically away to a receiver. Uh, this one doesn't get intercepted like the one that we just saw against the 49ers, but the result is still the same. A win, a win, a win. And Aaron Donald this time says, yes, sir, I actually get my ring. So, Man, oh, man, what a year by the Rams. Great offense, great defense. Matthew Stafford, Jalen Ramsey, Cooper Cobb, Sean McVay, who is returning, not going to the broadcast booth, turning down 100 milli. That's big-time respect. Go defend your ring. Go back-to-back. -back, try to 3 P and then decide. All right, I'll go to the booth. Big-time shout-out to Sean McVay to making it all happen and big plays all around the field offensively and defensively. 
Alrighty, that is all the NFL we had to go over for today. So now let's just quickly, we're going to go through this quickly, folks. We're going to wrap up the show here. we got to get going. Uh, but we are going to talk about the NBA from last night. We'll go over it very, very quickly. We'll talk about betting very, very quickly. And then we're back tomorrow for our regular scheduled no-makeup show. This was just to get all the stories that we didn't talk about the last two days, get them talked about, and up-to-date, current here. Uh, that's what we do on the show, folks. That's why we're here every day. We're current here. We are current. So let's quickly, very quickly go over the NBA. And before we break down the games from last night, there's two stories I want to get uh, out of the way here. The 76ers, they traded Andre Drummond at the trade deadline. Now we've been saying, hey, they're, they, they're missing that big depth. They're a great team overall, but they don't have really any great big depth. Their, their, their big depth is Paul Millsap, who's like 6'8", folks. So, uh, the Lakers have just kind of released DeAndre Jordan, and now the 76ers are going to be aggressively pursuing DeAndre Jordan. So, not a great big. We don't even really like him coming off the bench anymore. That's really kind of how far DeAndre Jordan has fallen from from those Lob City Clippers days. But uh, he's working with Doc Rivers again, so maybe it works out a little bit. But uh, 76ers are going after DeAndre Jordan. And, yeah, I mean, given what's out there left, yeah, that's kind of what you got to do. So DeAndre Jordan potentially becoming a 76er. We'll see if that becomes the case. And then this is the bigger news right here. Holy moly. I didn't even know if this was going to happen, but there is a strong sense from the Nuggets that Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. could make a return by the playoffs. Yes. The Nuggets are not winning a championship without these two players. The Nuggets are not winning more than one playoff series without these two players. So we love Jokic, and we love what Jokic has been doing, keeping this team competitive, keeping them in the top six seeds so they are guaranteed a playoff spot. Waiting for these two players to get back. Michael Porter Jr. with the back. Jamal Murray, I think, is coming off the ACL. But uh, you get your point guard back. You get your kind of number three, uh, you know, uh, small forward, if you want to call him, um, to hit the three, to be an offensive producer that he's always been here. So Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, and Jokic are potentially all coming back here for the playoffs, and that will definitely give the Nuggets a huge chance to potentially win a ring this season. We'll see if they can do it. So big-time great news here. Didn't think either of these two players would be, would be back this season, especially Michael Porter Jr., but here we are, folks. Man, oh, man, this would be fantastic. Fantastic. All right, those were all the two stories we had to go over quickly here. Now let's go over the games very, very quickly. First one up here, Timberwolves at the Cavs. Timberwolves get the win, 127-122. Once again, no Darius Garland, no Karis LeVert for the Cavs, so we don't expect them to win anyway. Shout out to the Cavs for keeping it close. For the Timberwolves, Anthony Edwards, a little bit out of his funk, a little bit. Still needs to take another step here, but 17 points, 4 steals, 4 assists, 4 rebounds on 53% shooting, a plus 7 on the field, uh, on the floor. I mean, that was like third highest, so yeah, Anthony Edwards slowly coming out of that 3-game funk that he had of 5 points every game. That was abysmal. So, Anthony Edwards getting back into the groove here, and it helps out the Timberwolves on the win with the road, with the, on the road with the win, winning 127-122. All right, then we get the Pacers at the Magic, and once again, the Pacers, <laughs> Pacers, classic Pacers, can't even beat the Magic and get dominated by the Magic. They lose by 16, folks, 119 to 103. So Pacers are still the same Pacers, even though they don't have Sabonis, they are still the same Pacers that we all know and don't love. Uh, Buddy Heald, 18 points. We had Tyrese Halburn. Well done to Tyrese Halburn, being aggressive, 23 points, led the team in scoring, seven assists, led the team in assists. That's what Tyrese Halburn has to do every single night, and more, obviously, because it's still not winning games. Unfortunate for the Pacers. 
Pacers. Now for the Magic, our man Franz Wagner, 14 po uh, 8, 15 points and a plus 24 on the floor. That was the highest on the squad last night. So Franz Wagner getting it done. Cole Anthony, 11 points and 3 assists. This man is not getting it done. He's all finding games in the All-Star break, in the All-Star game, mooning the free throw shooter, making social media laugh and all that. But he's not getting it done when it truly matters in these games. So still want Cole Anthony to progress more and get it done and still put this magic team and be good, but you're beating the Pacers. I mean, that's nothing to celebrate. So well done for the magic of winning a game, but against the, it's against the Pacers, folks. So what are we doing? Magic get the win, 119-103. to 103. Then we get the Raptors and the Nets, and the Nets are trash. And once again, no Kyrie Irving because he's at home. Ben Simmons still not ready to play. Seth Curry trying his damnedest, but only 11 points and three assists. Andre Trumman, three points, six rebounds. So those are their only two good players. <laughs> Patty Mills, once again, unreliable. Unreliable Patty Mills. And he makes me so gosh dang frustrated. You got me screaming at you, Patty Mills. Is this what you want, Patricia Mills? Your name's Patricia Mills from now on until you get it going. But this is what you want, Patty. You want me to yell at you come on uh three points on 12 percent shooting absolutely abysmal will somebody step it up on this nets team shout out to seth curry and andre drummond y'all just got here patty mills i'm really talking to you here get it done please jeez man absolutely abysmal uh they get blown out uh 133 to 97 absolute big time blowout here well done for the Raptors of getting back on track. Not because Pascal Siakam, he's still kind of letting us down overall. Eight points on 14% shooting. Come on, Siakam. Uh, Scotty Barnes had a magnificent game. 28 points, 16 rebounds, led the team in scoring. Five steals, four assists. I mean, the man was fantastic. Truly flawless last night. Um, no... Fred Van Vliet, so Malachi Flynn filling in at the 1, 18 points, 5 assists, pretty solid. And then we had Precious coming off the bench with a nice 20 points as well. So Raptors getting out of there, a little bit of a funk, and dominate the Nets, 133-97. to 97. Then we get the Bulls at the Heat. Once again, the Bulls can't beat anybody of sus of sub of substance here. Heat get the win, one twelve to ninety nine. Everybody's you know MVP candidate. Demar Derozan, eighteen points, and not beating a Heat team. He can't be MVP. We know this, folks. And then for the Heat, Jimmy Butler, fifteen points, four steals, four assists, seven rebounds. Gabe Vincent, no Kyle Lowry last night, so Gabe Vincent at the one, twenty points, three assists. Tyler Hero coming off the bench, twenty points, and once again, Duncan Robinson, only nine points on 37% shooting. Classic Duncan Robinson. So, Bam out of bio, 15 points. That's great, but uh, well done for this Heat team of winning without Kyle Lowry, their point guard, and a big time, a big time uh, knock on the Bulls for, once again, not beating a team that is currently in the playoffs. Once again, what did we count at the break, folks? Six quality wins, where everybody else was at, like, double digits. So, Bulls are not good. The Bulls are not a good team. That's really all there is to it. They cannot beat the good team, so that means you are not a good team. Uh, Heat win 122 to 99 all right then we get the Spurs at the Grizzlies John Morant oh my goodness John Morant I'm on my Grizzly bullshit out here 118 105 win for the Grizzlies last night John Morant 52.7 rebounds holy moly that was the story folks that is what it is that's why the Grizzlies win uh then we get the Hornets at the Bucks and the Bucks absolutely blow out the Hornets 130 to 106 once again the Hornets are not that great of a team they're not beating the Bucks they're not beating championship caliber teams so far the Mellow Ball had a pretty okay game of 
24 points, uh, only two assists, though. One's gotten got to kind of facilitate the floor a little bit. And then for the Bucks, we had Giannis doing his thing, 26 points, 16 rebounds. Bobby Portis still on his bullshit, folks, 20 points, 10 rebounds, magnificent. And Drew Holiday, 21 big old points. Nothing great off the bench. Javon Carter, 10 points. That was really it. So, once again, the depth of the Bucks is going to be what's concerning heading into the playoffs. But the Bucks get the win, 130-106. to 106. And then the last game of the night here, Kings at the Thunder. Kings get a blowout win, 131-110. to 110. So, yeah, Sabonis finally getting some quality wins here. Good win. It's uh, not a quality win. It's a good win uh, because the Kings are not a good team. So, beating anybody is an accomplishment for the Kings. But Sabonis, 14 points, 16 rebounds. De'Aaron Fox, 29 points, 10 assists. Uh, Davian Mitchell off the bench, 13 points. We'll take it. And then shout out to Harrison Barnes with 23 big old points. And Trey Lyles, 24 big old points as well. So everybody in the starting lineup truly got it done besides Justin Holiday. But uh, it was enough to get the win. And then for the Thunder, no Lugan Stort still. It's just Shea Gillis-Alexander by his lonesome. And he got it done by himself. 37 points, 10 assists, 7 rebounds. All that was great. But we know there's no other players on this Thunder team, especially when you take away Josh Giddy and uh, Lugan Stort, who did not play last night. So Kings get the big old win, 131 to 110. Alrighty, that was all the NBA from last night. What do we got on tap tonight in the NBA? Can we make a little bit of, mo- little bit of money? We've gone uh, two days without really kind of talking about betting in the NBA, and we've got six games on tonight. So let's see what we got really quickly here, and then we are out of here. So here we go. First game up here, we get the Pistons at the Wizards. Pistons plus three and a half. I love it. This Pistons team, they've got it going, folks. Uh, they just, uh, well, yeah, they just beat the Hornets the other night here. They've been really good, folks. As of recently, the game right before the All-Star break, they win it against the uh, uh, the Celtics. After the All-Star break, they win their game against the Cavs. Then they lose against the Celtics, unfortunately, by nine. Unfortunate Celtics are a really good team, though. And then they just beat the Hornets in double overtime, single overtime, in overtime regardless. So this Pistons team, they're getting it done and we get three points with them. Yes, yes, yes. Let's quickly make sure everybody's good to go. Uh, Frank Jackson, Hamidi Odiallo, and Marvin Bagley are all game time decisions. And then for the Wizards, uh, Chris Stapp Porzingis is still not making his debut yet. So it's just Kyle Kuzma out there by his lonesome. I get three and a half here by the Pistons. That's a fantastic value. That is great. Oh my God. So far, that's the best bet of the night. And I know that's the first game that we've looked at, but this is fantastic, folks. Holy cow. Pistons plus three and a half. I'm literally loving I'm gushing over that inside folks that's fantastic all right next game up up here is the Hawks at the Celtics Hawks plus six and a half here Celtics minus six and a half here wow this is big time respect by Vegas of making the Celtics minus six and a half points against this Hawks team fantastic uh but for the Hawks John Collins is a game time decision and Lou Williams is out where everybody's good to go here for the Celtics so uh, we saw the Celtics team right before the all-star break beat the Hawks I want to say by like nine it was pretty impressive so, we love the Celtics team. They're getting better. Um, yeah, I mean, this is just a really solid starting lineup. And then you get Derek White coming off the bench. Fantastic. Hawks still struggling a little bit. Still trying to figure out how to win besides uh, Trey Young going manic every single game. So, we'll see how it all that plays out. We'll stay away from it here. Probably a close game like six to nine point win here a little bit too too uh too on the nose I would say Vegas has kind of been uh, ever since the all-star break has been pretty much on the nose with these lines here so we'll stay away from this one we've already got great value in the Pistons plus three and a half 
All right, then we get the Nets at the Raptors. Both of these teams on the back-to-back, -back, so we'll stay away from it. Then we get the Warriors at the Timberwolves. Timberwolves on the back-to-back, -back, so we'll stay away from it. Then we get the Clippers at the Rockets. All right, this is a game we could take. And the Clip well, this is a back-to-back -back series, so we're not taking it. And the Clippers truly let us down the last time. Holy moly. Uh, the Clippers only beat the Rockets by one point. <laughs> the hell is that? Um, so Clippers let us down in the last time. Back-to-backs, we don't bet back-to-back series, back-to-back games, so staying away from Clippers-Rockets, and it's still Clippers minus seven. That's what it was like in the first game um, two days ago, but I think it was Clippers minus nine. Clippers minus six and a half, that's what it says the closing odds were. So same thing, and the Clippers only one by one. I'm sure they win this time and buy more fashion, but uh, I already lost money the last time I bet on the Clippers minus seven against the Rockets. I'm not doing again, doing it again, so... All right, and then the last game of the night here, Mavericks at the Lakers. Mavericks minus five, Lakers plus five, and I think I'd swallow five here for this Mavericks team as long as everybody's good to go and Anthony Davis is still not playing. Uh, for the Mavericks, we get Tim Hardaway, Trey Burke out, and for the Lakers, we get LeBron, game time decision, Anthony Davis out, Kendrick Nunn is still out. So, yeah, Mavericks minus five here. Once again, they live and die by the three. The Lakers are imploding every second literally every single second since the trade deadline this Lakers team just continues to implode so we know the Lakers have absolutely zero bet ability have to swallow five here by the Mavericks little disappointed in that but uh they'll get it done and we will swallow the five would have liked to swallow what well would have liked to get three um would have liked to get the Mavericks plus three uh but I would I'd be comfortable swallowing three by the Mavericks as well but I would bump it up to five if that's what Vegas wants they're kind of you know kind of saying yeah this Lakers team is bad we understand that and uh, once again the Mavericks they just shoot and live and die by the three so the Lakers do not have any three-point shooters to keep up with this Mavericks team and uh, they don't really have anything big, big beefy down low where the Mavericks are going to be struggling because they don't really have anything great, big beefy down low. So Mavericks minus five, folks. This Lakers team, they're done. They're cooked. All right. So we got the Pistons plus three and a half. That's the best bet of the night. Absolutely. We get points. Fantastic. And the Mavericks minus five is our second best bet. So two teamer here. Pistons plus three and a half. Mavericks minus five. Love it all. Alrighty, folks. All right. First day back after a little bit of a two-day traditional absence, one official day absence. I still want credit for that Sunday show. We were three hours live here, folks. So I still want credit for that. Didn't do it in show form. Uh, so one day officially off of a show, but so, oh my, it's fo folks, folks, I'm going to be real with you. It feels so gosh dang to be good uh, to be back, folks. Uh, man, oh man, I was a little bit dying not doing the show yesterday, but sheesh, it is good to be back. I love it here. Love it here. I love it here, folks. Uh, I'd be like, 24 hours a day folks I would just be here whenever you want to come in you come in we talk and all that unfortunately we can't do that at the current moment you subscribe to our patreon five dollars a month we could definitely do that but until that happens we can't do that so folks great great to be back got everything caught up so we're good to go for tomorrow NFL final thoughts, talking to the NBA, more stories that come out by the day, another top 10 that we've got saved in the bank. That's all coming at you tomorrow, folks. going to be fantastic, so definitely come back noon Eastern tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, folks, um, we're, we are out of here. We are out of here. Have an absolute great one. We'll see you tomorrow, folks, and you can make a little bit of, bit of money tonight. Pistons plus three and a half, folks. I'm telling you, that they, they got it going. Jeremy Grant, not really. They don't need him to be great, which is fantastic. Uh, Jeremy Grant just has to be solid. Cade Cunningham is really the one stepping it up most of the time here. So, Pistons, folks, plus three and a half points is the best value tonight. All righty, folks. We are out of here. Have an absolutely great one, and we will see you tomorrow, folks. We are out.